0: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 5, 5, 4, <laughs> 3, 2, 1, good, 5. <laughs> Too many fives. <laughs>
1: This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 202, recorded Monday, February 23rd, 2015. And for the first time in two or three episodes, we're not going to talk about the number, so let's move right past that.
0: Oh, I was going to go on about how it was a palindrome.
1: Well, not this time. Next next palindrome you can it's do. Too late, that. I did it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are here tonight, of course, to talk about the latest episode of The Walking Dead. There's a few other things to do as well, though, one of which is play an entry in our Record a Favorite Scene contest, but we're going to do that later on in the show.
0: Okay. I will uh, talk about how awesome it is, and uh, various thesorical uh, words. It's good. you should uh, You should
1: expand your vocabulary every week and uh, and give us a new word of the week. Uh, yeah, thesorical. There you go. See that's the first one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I might have even made that up.
1: Maybe, possibly, but now you have to have a, a definition for it if you make it up. Too bad. All right. Um, I want to also mention ratings for a second. Now, the ratings for this week's episode of The Walking Dead are not in yet. We'll probably have those to talk about on Wednesday. Um, But I, you know, just last week we got finished talking about the ratings and how it was an unusual week because there was some uh, extra competition against The Walking Dead on last week, which was the uh, Saturday Night Live thing,
0: right? Oh, yeah, yeah, 40th.
1: Yeah, and I said, there's probably not going to be, you know, extra weird, unusual competition on against The Walking Dead for the for the next little while. <laughs> yeah, what
0: could possibly come up on a Sunday evening <laughs> yeah. in, in the next foreseeable future? in In
1: February. Well, the Oscars came up, and they were on last night at the same time as The Walking Dead. Yep. So I don't have the ratings for The Walking Dead yet, but I do have the ratings for the Oscars. And I thought I'd throw those out there just real quick. Sure. Uh, how many people do you think watch the Oscars usually?
0: Uh, I think 23 million usually watch the Oscars. You're low. Uh, this year we I'm had, low. Yeah. This year, the
1: other night, uh, we had 36.6 million viewers. Wow. And that's a six-year low for the number of viewers. Really? Yeah. So Oscar ratings were down a bit now. 36.6 million. That's a, still a lot of damn people watching TV. More people
0: than in Canada, for crying out loud. That's, well,
1: yeah, it's pretty close anyways. How um, many people in Canada now? I I don't know, but last I heard, it was probably around 35 million. So it could be, you know, almost exactly. You know, that that could be our population. In fact, maybe all of Canada watched the Oscars on Sunday night and nobody else. Right. You're looking uh, it up, it's
0: aren't you? 35.16 million.
1: Okay, so there you go. More people than live in this whole country. Um. But it's a six-year low, as I said. So my question is, is that
0: because of The Walking Dead? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's because of Neil Patrick Harris. What, did you think he was bad? No, I'm just kidding. I think he's fantastic. I think he's wonderful. I think that he should host the Grammys. That way he's hosted pretty much everything. He has, except he sucked on the Oscars last night, I thought. Yeah, people uh, weren't very happy with... uh, with I thought he was fine. I don't think it's his fault. I think the writing was kind of crappy, and I don't think the opening number was... uh, First of all, it was very short and uh, awkward, but uh, other than that, I thought uh, thought he did it a relatively good job.
1: I, well, I would agree with that. I Maybe it was the writing, but he wasn't funny. I mean, I didn't watch all of it because I did switch to The Walking Dead at one point, but uh, I don't think he was funny, and the opening number wasn't great, although Jack Black was kind of entertaining for a minute yeah. there. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. Well, yeah, I just, I, I thought it was, I don't think it's his fault, though. I don't think, you know, it's, he's not, fun- he wasn't funny because he's not funny. Right. I think he wasn't funny because it, they didn't write funny jokes. He did have the balls to come out in his underwear though. Oh my good lord, yeah. <laughs> I, I missed that. I, that's a that's an actual nightmare of like millions of people. He's he is participating in you know many 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 people's stress dream.
1: Yeah, that's true. Stand Being on,
0: on stage in your underwear in front of 35 million people and all of your peers and coworkers.
1: Like everyone. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but you're right. That's like the that's one of the craziest dreams people can have. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, um, 36.6 million viewers. We'll see. We'll talk on Wednesday about the ratings for this week for The Walking Dead, because we'll see if they're up,
0: down, or right down straight through the middle. Um, you posted on Facebook last night, uh, what did you think of tonight's episode, uh, The Distance, or did you watch the Oscars? Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, right. I watched the Oscars.
1: Well, I started watching the Oscars, and then I didn't. Uh, but I didn't watch The Walking Dead live last night either, so um, uh,
0: yeah. you know I didn't watch the The Walking Dead until today. But that's normal for me, right? So yeah, I did watch the Oscars live because I like watching the Oscars live. But I went to bed at eleven before they announced Best Picture.
1: It was it ended at eleven forty seven. I hear,
0: yeah, which oh. is too late for me.
1: Yeah, too late. All right. Well, we'll get into the more ratings uh, on Wednesday, and we'll see how The Walking Dead did um now we're gonna recap this week's episode of the walking dead i've got a few reads of the title here uh first one now the first one comes from jim the trucker now last week if you recall he sent one in but i couldn't play it because he just screamed into that microphone and it was too distorted and it didn't sound very good so i'm gonna play his one this week it's also a little a little hot but uh i think it's okay Unfortunately there's there's another problem with it but we'll get to that after. So here's Jim the trucker doing the title of this week's episode.
0: Cool.
2: The distant <laughs>
0: All
1: right, so if those of you paying attention will realize that that is a take on the Simpsons opening, the yeah. Simpsons, right? And the problem is the episode title is The Distance, and I'm pretty sure Jim the Trucker said The Distant,
0: uh, Well, whatever. as
1: in far away.
0: I still accept it and appreciate it and like it. All right. Well, thank Don't you. I care what you say.
1: Thank you, Jim, for sending that in. Uh, another one here from Harsh Greg on the internet, and I, he's Harsh Greg because I think the last time he sent in a comment, I called him Harsh. <laughs> so so now that's what he There wrote. you go. Take it and own it, Yeah, Greg. take it and own it. Here's his.
3: The
1: distance, A.K.A. Hey, hey, hey. Eat
2: the applesauce.
1: So that one was uh, mixed very well. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I, I here's I think this one, this final one here, is my favorite for the week, and uh, it takes the award for read of the week. That's I think that should be a thing. Title read of the week. There you go. And this comes from Allison. Via her dad Trevor, who sent it in.
2: The distance.
1: You're creepy, yeah. So apparently Allison is nine, I think her dad said, and she, she's a she put, can put on the creepy voice pretty well.
0: As soon as uh, as soon as I saw the episode title uh, this morning, actually, I was thinking of a song, uh, "Going the Distance" by Cake. Yeah. That would have been uh, that would have been good. The Distance. This
1: is Season 5, Episode 11, and we pick up shortly after we left off in last episode. We see the group in the barn, sitting around cleaning their weapons and, you know, just sort of looking bored, to be honest, actually.
0: Oh, that take, yeah, that's a, a very valuable uh, thing to do. You sit in when you have time, uh, you clean your weapon. Well, you, you Make everyone, sure it's in
1: tip-top shape. Everyone needs a clean weapon. Because if it's not, it'll jam on you, right?
0: That's right. Okay, get all gummed up, and that sucker'll jam.
1: That's right. So everyone's sitting around doing that. Maggie and Sasha come in the door. They bring Aaron in. Everyone immediately jumps up, weapons drawn, drawn, pointing them at him. And
0: Daryl pats him down. So everybody's a drama queen in this show. I find (laughs) because when you're doing something that's going to alarm people, you warn them. 1st You're like, you open the door and say, we've got a guy, we've searched him, he doesn't have any weapons, we're bringing him in, just take it easy. Well, they, they don't, it's like, they bring this guy in and they go, oh, that's Aaron. Well, and they, then everybody freaks out.
1: Yeah, they but they did bring him in and, and I mean, Maggie did say... Didn't she say something like, he's alone, we have his weapons, you know, yeah. stuff like that? And then she After gave it. After
0: all of that. Right. Like, everybody freaks out, they stand up, they're pointing weapons, Daryl's running out the door, he's coming back, he's patting them down, they're all freaking out. I'm surprised nobody shot him in the friggin' head. <laughs> just because they're all so high strung. Oh my God, there's a guy! Shoot him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's not a, everybody's a drama queen. They want to get to uh, the heightened dramas. Just, you know, everybody just chill. We got this guy. He's outside. We've already searched him. We're gonna bring him in. But they're just
1: so distrustful of everybody, right? That's why they can't just relax for a second. I mean no, but that's fine, but you don't have to surprise them with somebody. Oh I see. Okay. You're saying that Maggie and Sasha should have like that's approached right. it yeah. differently. Yeah. Okay, you know, that makes sense. Warn them. Yeah. I mean yeah, I, I every, almost everybody, you know, they've met on this show has turned out to be not so nice. <laughs> Uh, every time someone new comes along, I guess, I guess there are exceptions. Not all the time.
0: I mean, there's Abraham and, uh, that group. They were new. I mean, Michonne was new at one point. Yeah, Noah. I mean, crying out loud, Rick was new at one point.
1: He was new, but his family was already there.
0: He was the new guy.
1: They didn't know that. No, that's right. Uh, anyways, they all jump up. Everyone's all tense and high strung. Uh, Aaron tries to introduce himself and, uh, Rick inspects Aaron's gun and he keeps it. Of course. What is he going to do? He's not going to give it back to him. Um, And Aaron talks about how, uh, you know, they, he's looking for people to audition for his camp. And he, he, he jokes that, you know, about Friday night dance troupe, which was, I thought a funny joke. Yeah. You know, good. Lighten the, lighten the mood a little bit, maybe. And he offers to show them photos of his community. He talks about the steel walls they have. And he says security is the most important thing next to the people. That we live with. Right. Um, as Aaron's talking, Rick just walks straight up to him and just punches him in the face and he goes down unconscious. Yep. Just punches him in the face like as hard as he can. And we go to the credits. And when we come back from the credits, uh Michonne is like... Uh, What are you doing? That look I gave you, that was a not punch this guy in the face look. This is more of a, I think this guy might be okay kind of look. I just want to make sure you're reading me correctly. Yeah, they got to work on their looks. <laughs> they do. I mean, I think, you know, I think Rick was a little, I don't know, a little uh, um, quick on the punching draw there.
0: Yeah. I mean, when I'm hanging out with my wife, I can tell the difference between this guy's nice and punch this guy in the face when she's looking at me. Right. And how yeah. often do you get the punch him in the face look? Uh, uh, almost exactly zero times right now. Good. That's So good. far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll come one day though.
1: Yeah, but I know the look.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Were you just giving it to me? No. Oh, good. No, she's got a special look. It usually shows up when she's watching The Bachelor.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, Rick though is assuming the worst here. He's saying things like people are out there. They're coming for us. He searches Aaron's pack they find a flare gun, which is cool, yeah, an orange flare gun, and uh Maggie and Sash are like, "Wait a minute, he was alone, they're tending to Aaron, who is now on the ground, you know, unconscious, and he wakes up so rick can can continue to question him, and uh Rick wants to know how many of his people are out there, just based on the assumption that why would you be alone? You must have people out there, they must be watching us. What kind of game are you playing here, right?" And uh, after um, after questioning kind of why it matters and they have a conversation about trust and how clearly nobody trusts anybody, Aaron eventually says, one, there's one other person out there. Right. But it doesn't matter because clearly Rick doesn't believe him anyways. Um, but during the conversation, he also reveals that it was him who left water in the road. And he said that you people, the reason I've approached you is because— you know, you've been together, you've been through a lot and you've never turned on each other. So you're Which a team. Which was
0: very interesting.
1: Yeah. You're a team, you're survivors, and that's why we think you might be good candidates to join our community.
0: Right. I, and I like that. I like that as a criteria is that, uh, you know, there's not, you know, you're, you're, you're working together as a cohesive unit. You're not turning on each other. You're not backbiting. You're not fighting each other for resources. You're sharing. You're you're surviving. This is this is exactly what we want, which is great. Yeah, and it, it sort of calls back
1: to the group of mad dogs, right? I mean, remember yeah. those guys? They would kick the shit out of each other. They had those rules. If you claim something, it's yours, which is fine. you got to have some rules. But if Aaron was watching those guys, there's no way he would have approached them and said, I think you guys want to join the community here.
0: Yeah, you're probably right.
1: Because, you know, you're going to turn around and beat me up because I, you know, tried to take your can of beans or something.
0: Right. I like those boots, but I didn't say claimed, so now you're going to chop my feet off to get the boots. Yeah, that's right. You don't want people like that around.
1: No. Um. So Aaron, he continues to go on about his vehicles, and he says they have two, and there's enough room for all of us to drive back. And uh, of course, Rick doesn't believe him. There's, He says there's no way there's any cars. There's probably just more people coming to get us. But uh, Michonne goes, offers to go check on the cars, and rick initially says no forget it because he's lying but she insists and uh, rick decides that you know fine i'll let her go but i'm doing the safe thing we're making the safe play just by staying here and keeping this guy prisoner right pretty much um but what i like to hear about this is michonne said forget it i'm going you have your feelings i have mine and i'm gonna go check this out because i feel it's the right thing to do good for her yeah exactly Uh, Maggie and Glenn decide to go as well, and so Rick sends Abe and Rosita, Abraham and Rosita, with them, sort of as protection. That's the feeling I got. He's like, you're going to need some muscle with you, so take these two, and uh, you'll be a group of five going to check out the vehicles.
0: That's not a dumb idea.
1: No, travel in groups, right? Yep. Right. Um, And Rick says they'll come for them if they don't return within 60 minutes. Right. Which uh, isn't very long. I mean— you never know what can happen out there, right? And they might need a little more time to get back. But I guess having a deadline is a good
0: idea, nonetheless. Well, it depends on how far you're going, right? Like it, uh, he said, the location of the vehicles. I don't know how far that was, but, you know, maybe it's, if it's a 15-minute walk to go find out where the vehicles are, you know, two hours is not uh, is not too bad to go check it out and get back.
1: Well, 60 minutes, one hour. Um, but Right. But... Um, I what, think 60
0: minutes is not two hours? <laughs> I don't think so. Are you crazy? I'm At one minute per minute, I'm pretty sure that's one hour. Oh, right. It's that, uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, 60 minutes. Uh, yeah, still, even if it's 10, 10, 15 minutes away, that's still plenty of time to go check it out and get back.
1: Yeah, 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 it is. But I think, if if I'm not mistaken, Aaron said it's like a mile and a bit down the road, like to the east or something like that. So, I don't know how long it takes to walk a mile, but- 15 minutes. 15 15 minutes. So perfect. That a good clip. Yeah. Well, and these guys are fast walkers.
0: Uh, not the way they were walking, but that's okay. All right.
1: Well, we'll get to that. Um, so they leave and the rest of the group goes to set up a watch outside, go out in pairs, you know, make sure that no one is trying to sneak up on their barn hideout. And after everyone goes, Aaron starts talking about his work at an NGO pre-zombie outbreak. Right. And uh, he says that they're not there to kill them. Um, but Rick really has none of it and he just reminds him that if the group doesn't come back in one hour, I'm, I'm just going to kill you before I go out and look for them. Right. I'm going to put a knife in the back of your head, I think he says. (laughs) Really, really untrustworthy. I mean, Rick has been untrustworthy for a long time, but it's really come out in the first part of this episode, I thought. Yeah. You know? Like he's not even willing to entertain this guy at this point and and think well maybe there's even if it's a 1% chance that he's telling the truth it's a chance right he's he's like 100% this guy is not our friend right you yeah know? he really doesn't uh, doesn't believe him at all yeah um, so we go to the group cut, or uh, walking down the road, and Glenn is basically given some instructions here. He's saying to stay alert. He says, fire at anybody they see coming up. Coming at them. Coming at them. Yeah. Which I guess is different than just, you know, standing on the side of the road or whatever. I mean, does coming at them mean coming at them in a, in an aggressive way?
0: Yeah, I would assume so, because... I don't know. I just have a hard time believing that the uh, rules of engagement are shoot anything you see and anyone you see. Because they know somebody's out there, right? At least one person. And, but they don't know if they're hostile or not. Right. So if uh, I assume by saying coming at us or, you know, coming at us or whatever, they're, uh, they mean anybody with obvious hostile intent. Like if they're if they're in the same position that our five intrepid heroes are in, so we have five people walking down the road towards them mm-hmm. with firearms. That's what he means, right? Yeah, you know that that you know could be aggressive, could not be aggressive. But if you see anybody like us doing this, shoot at them. <laughs> that's pretty much what he says. He says if we encounter anyone
1: like us, we should be afraid of them because yeah. if I were them, I'd be afraid of us.
0: Right. Um, Abraham was in the military, right? Sergeant. So, so why the hell would he let them walk in this formation? Like five wide across the road? And clumped all in a group. And they should be walking single file with uh, Glenn at the front and Abraham at the back and everybody else in the middle and looking all around. Just, you know, spread out on the road like that. Ugh, I don't know. It's more of a, uh, a cowboy shootout than a, uh, uh, reconnaissance column in my opinion, but you know, that, you know, what the hell do I know? I just remember from when I was in basic training that we basically walked around in single file. The, uh, the person in charge was at the front, the two IC or the second person in charge was at the back and everybody else was in the middle somewhere. But how does the single file,
1: why is single file a better position to to be in when you're traveling down a road?
0: Uh, pfft. It depends on, well, if something's coming at you from the front, like if you encounter a vehicle, Mm -hmm. they're not going to encounter a vehicle. Well, they might, because they're looking for a vehicle. But if you encounter a vehicle, you can get out of the road faster. Uh, If you encounter, if you run into an ambush, basically um, you can scatter faster. Because if they run into an ambush and the ambush is coming from the side, they got nowhere to go. Like they either go forward or back or they're running into each other, essentially Mm -hmm. is what happens. Whereas uh, if you encounter an ambush, you just run. Like you, if in case you're wondering what you do if you're ambushed, just run because a successful ambush kills everybody, an unsuccessful ambush kills eighty percent. Right. So just run. Get in between the enemy's lines so they don't know where you are anymore and they are afraid to shoot at you because they might shoot their buddy. Yeah. It's the only thing you can do.
1: I'm just not. I'm, I'm just not clear on how you know walking single file versus basically single file beside each other, if you know what I mean, like in a row. Yeah. Um, is any different. I mean, the attack can come from any direction, in theory, although maybe it's more likely from the sides because a road is open, right? You can see it in front and behind you, but I, I don't know. Um,
0: they always made us walk in
1: single file. I
0: don't know. All right, there must be know. a reason. Yeah, must and be if a there was two columns, we there were, uh two single file rows, one on each side of the road. Yeah, I can see so walking like... To... Maybe it's because they we had to get the hell out of the way of trucks going by all the time. Uh-huh. I you can know, see walking
1: down like the edge of the road so that you can get off the road quickly. Like don't walk down the center line, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, anyways, it's okay. Um, Michonne and Maggie, as they're doing this, uh, they seem, they're questioning Glenn anyways. They're questioning his, his, uh, his instructions and his logic of firing at anyone they see coming on him. Um, but like I said, Glenn is like, we'd be, we should be afraid of people like us. And, uh, he questions, at this point, why anyone else would want them to join their group after sort of watching them and what they've done for a while. Yep. But Michonne goes on to list off some of the good things they've done, like save Gabriel, the priest, and Tara, who rolled up to their prison, you know, on Team Governor. So she was an enemy at first, yet they saved her. And... uh And even she uses herself as an example. She was a stranger once, too, and they brought her into the group. So, you know, they're not all bad, is what she's trying to say. Yep. As they walk, though, we see another person watching them hiding behind an old tractor from a distance. So somebody's got their eyes on them.
0: Yeah, tractor guy.
1: Tractor guy. Uh, We cut back into the barn, and Judith is crying. First time we've heard her cry in some time. She's a very complacent baby. Mm Mm-hmm. And Aaron offers some applesauce to keep her quiet, and he says he doesn't. He's not doing this for any reason. He just wants her to shut up because if that crying attracts uh, zombies or he he says roamers, that's bad for both of them. It is. Now, of course, Rick doesn't trust him, as I said. So he gets the applesauce and he makes Aaron try it first because he assumes it's poison. But Aaron's like, "Come on, why would I? What benefit would I have of me poisoning your baby right in front of you?" And so on. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. But he um, then refuses to eat it because he says he hates applesauce because his mom used to make him eat it as a kid because she wanted him to eat more manly stuff.
0: Yeah, he's a drama queen, too. I mean, for crying out loud, obviously Rick wants you to take a bite of the applesauce to make sure it's not poison, even if you don't like applesauce. Eat a spoonful of applesauce for crying out loud, man! Oh, I, you know, I, I
1: had exactly the same problem with this scene. I thought it was, I thought it was, um, just on the nose too much. You know, it was yeah. they didn't. It was clear what was going on, you know. Rick wants him to try it so he can confirm it's not poison. This is Rick's character right now. He doesn't trust anybody, and they didn't need to do this whole "I hate applesauce" to to make to add this fake tension to the My scene. My mom you
0: know? made me eat applesauce and onions, and all. Oh. yeah,
1: I didn't I didn't like it at all. Um, I mean, I understand what they were going for, and I I understand Rick's point of view with the mindset that he's in right now, but. Just have Aaron eat the applesauce and prove to him that's not poison. He could have said, "What?" I mean, he still could have had the line, "What do I gain from poisoning you?" There's nothing to gain, but yeah, but I'll but I'll eat it, right? And then and then just move on. But I think it was, I don't think it was a very good scene, to no. be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a little, it was very weak
0: writing. It was
1: it was hammy. Um. Anyways, he eats it and everything. Applesauce
0: th- and ham. It sounds nice.
1: Oh, there you go. Um. Uh. What do you put mint jelly on? Lamb, right? People put mint. What, what like, do I put mint jelly? No, no, I'm, I'm just saying. In general, people put mint jelly on lamb. I think. I put linden berries on Swedish meatballs at IKEA. <laughs> that, that's not <laughs> lamb. That's not mint jelly. Um, that's not even. Okay, why are you asking? I'm, I was just. I it just came into my mind. I was just. Uh, I just couldn't remember. I think people used to eat put applesauce on like pork chops, pork chops right? Yeah.
0: yeah, pork chops and applesauce. That's good stuff. I right. still
1: do that. What do you mean used to? Uh, sorry, they they do. I I've had. I don't know. I haven't put applesauce on anything in a while. I must admit, I'm not a big fan of applesauce either, but... You'd take a spoonful of applesauce to prove that you weren't trying to poison some guy's baby. I, I definitely would. And I don't dislike it enough that I haven't actually eaten it just as a snack, you know, in the
0: past five years. I have done that. So... Um, you stole it from your kids, didn't you? Sometimes. They had like little jars of applesauce that are meant for your kids' snacks. No. And you, and you ate one.
1: Yes, but mostly because they don't like it to begin with. We bought some. They didn't like it. So if somebody
0: had to eat it, I did. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Aaron, after he eats the applesauce, Rick then gives, I guess, the baby some. And Aaron says that the community where he is from is big enough that Judith could cry and nothing could hear her outside the walls. They'd find That's him a home.
0: It's because they have steel walls. Like, how the hell, hell do they get steel walls? Well, they must have
1: built them out of some sort of steel panels. But where do they get steel panels? I don't know. A ship,
0: a ship. I have no idea where they would get steel panels. I don't know. Uh,
1: they have a steel panel guy.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, I wonder if you know's Kramer, because Kramer's got a guy for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know. I I have the occasional guy too. I have a I have a plexiglass guy, which is handy. Oh.
0: I want to talk to your plexiglass guy.
1: Sure. I can send you his details later. Not right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Back with the group on the road, they they find the cars. They come to the cars. And uh, they are indeed blocked by fallen trees, which I think is what Aaron said. The storm came and the trees fell down. Yeah. Uh, There's one car and one Winnebago. Mm-hmm. So lots is it of an room.
0: actual Winnebago or just a camper?
1: Uh, RV, Winnebago, camper, all interchangeable terms, if you ask me.
0: Well, Winnebago is a brand
1: name. Right. Like Kleenex. I know. And uh dumpster. Right. Uh, but for the purposes of this uh, summary, we can use any of those terms. I'm going to choose Winnebago. Okay. And maybe later RV. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so they're looking at these vehicles and a couple of zombies come out of the forest. Abe and Rosita go to take them out, but Abe has a bit of trouble. He pulls one's arm off and almost botches the kill. But Rosita finishes finishes it off.
0: Well, she's got his back.
1: No, she definitely does for sure. Yeah. Um now they go inside. That's and, why you always hunt zombies with a buddy. Well, you need someone to have your back. So when yeah. the zombie's arm rips off and you fall down almost, you're you're not out of luck.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, back to basic training. Uh, when we were doing basic training and walking in a column, they paired us off and they made us have have a buddy. It's like if if you die, your buddy's going to be there, and if your buddy dies, you're going to be there because you got a buddy. And My buddy, his name was Onyx Bellius. Onyx, if you're listening, I remember being your buddy. O- really, Onyx? Yeah, Onyx. Well, that's what he told us. His, his name was. Well, I guess that was his name then. I thought it was really odd. I had never, I didn't know what Onyx was at the time. I do now. Uh, he was really tall. He's a nice guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone that tall and nice has got to be named Onyx. Yeah.
1: So, inside, uh, Re- Abraham and Rosita go inside the RV. They make sure it's all clear nobody in there, nobody zombie, no, nobody, no zombies. Uh, they find some food. And now they talk about Rex eating four cans one night. Yeah. Who, who the
0: hell is Rex? Rex, that guy. You remember the guy that was with them? And no, they—it's somebody we don't know. They're or, talking about a previous, uh, probably now dead guy, or is it a dog? I mean, I'm sorry, I my when I hear the name Rex, my brain goes, must be a dog. <laughs> well, I don't know how you know. Does Rex? I, it depends on whether Rex knows how to open a can.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I well, a dog can bite through a can. Anyways, I don't know. I Not for some really. reason. Come on, a dog could could bite through a can, but would he know to? Oh, and, right? and, and probably wouldn't want to. Probably cut his mouth all up and stuff.
0: Yeah, and you know, cans don't have, you know, you can't really smell their contents. You know, that's one of the, uh, you know, one of the features of cans. Yeah. Is that, uh, you know, you can have a can of onions. Do they make cans of onions? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure they do. Do they? Well, anyway, at least I don't have to smell the cans of onions in my cupboard. And cans of applesauce. Well, do they put them in cans or jars?
1: I don't know, jars usually, I think.
0: Yeah, you can get a can of pineapples,
1: pineapple yes. parts. That's good stuff. <laughs> yes, right it there. is. Um, but they talk about Rex, and <clears throat> then Abe asks Rosita, um, if he asks her if she thought he was going to hurt her when he lashed out after Eugene admitted he was lying. So the scene back before the break where he's sitting on the road not moving, and Rosita approaches him, and he pushes her down. And he's he's basically apologizing for doing that, but she says, no, that sort of behavior is not you. And this isn't, to me, this was another weird scene. I, it kind of felt out of place. Like they show up at these cars, they kill some zombies, they go into the vehicles, they're clearing them out. And then I guess the food triggered this memory about Rex. But what does that have to do with his you know his reaction to her on the road that day by the fire truck and i just felt like why would they talk about this right at this moment and and to me i was like they wanted to kind of shoehorn in this little emotional moment between these two and they thought well we're going to put it in here or it almost felt like there was more to the conversation that got cut you know right. they're doing something else they're searching the rv they're trying to make sure they're safe they're talking about food and then they're talking about this and for me it was just really disjointed even though I feel like I know what they were trying to do it didn't work perfectly in the in this moment
0: it didn't stand out for me like that but now that you bring it up I uh, I would agree with you
1: yeah it's but it's and it's the second time in this episode we've had a little bit of an awkward an awkward scene I thought which you know two awkward scenes in an episode don't make it a bad episode or anything like that but it it was weird i uh, A little bit of a, especially in this case, a little bit of a mishmash sort of. They were like, "Well, we need to put this somewhere. Let's do it," or maybe there was more to it, but they had to cut it for time. I don't know, but it stood out to me. Seems weird. Um, we cut back to the barn. Uh, there may have been a break there. We come back and we're back at the barn. Now the cars are at the barn now, so Mm -hmm. cleared the trees. I guess. I, I was, I. The, my first thought was, how did they clear those trees? I mean, did they have a chainsaw?
0: Or? Well, there's more than two of them now. Before, there was only two guys, you know, and they can't lift a tree with two guys, but now they got uh, two guys and uh, three girls. And so they could lift a tree. Could they? Could those five people drag Somebody, those trees out of the road? Somebody's got an axe. I guess. You I, think so? I who, don't know. Who had an axe? Anybody have an axe?
1: I didn't see an axe on anybody. They a
0: katana and uh, whatever, uh, what's-her-name was carrying. That seemed like a weird weapon, but uh, they could have hacked at that tree and uh, and got the roots. Like, if you hacked it away from the roots, you could probably drag it away.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they didn't look like the biggest trees in the world, so maybe they were able to roll them or drag them away or
0: something, but trees are pretty heavy. I've tried to move trees before, and they're heavy. Yeah, I've tried to uh, move trees with cars. In the middle, of the, falling in the middle of the road, you try and tie it to a car and drag it away. That doesn't work all the time. No, we ripped the bumper right off that car. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> and then you we had hooked tr- it to the frame, but it came loose and then ripped the bumper off. I, and, Just, then, and then I then didn't you, hook it to the bumper. I'm not a moron. <laughs> um,
1: you didn't have a trailer hitch or anything, eh? Does that work for t- for uh, a, a winch would have
0: been would have been good. A winch, but we didn't yeah. have a winch.
1: Well, um, and then you had a tree and a bumper blocking the road. <laughs> oh, what a mess that was! <laughs> um, anyways, that was my first thought. It's like, how did they move the trees? I guess we'll never know.
0: That's like, how did uh, how did Batman get back from wherever he was back to the middle of uh, Gotham City in the, uh, the to fight Bane? Um. And- He's Batman. Bruce, yeah, but he didn't have a credit card. He didn't have a bank card. He was just in the middle of friggin' nowhere with nothing. All of a sudden, he's back in Gotham. Oh, in that- How the hell did he get back there?
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll never know. It's the
0: same mystery as this. Did he have, like, caches of uh, cash lying around all over the world? You know, he spent, uh, he got Alfred to go run around the world and uh, leave jars of pennies and stuff everywhere (laughs) just in case uh, he needs to dig it up and uh, find his way back to Gotham.
1: Yep. Maybe he is Bruce Wayne and Batman. He has unlimited resources, so I could see that.
0: uh, Maybe he did that uh, wonderful of wonderful things. He made a collect call, and Alfred went and got him. See? That works for him. (laughs) Not in this case. (laughs) No, you can't make collect calls to move phones in the zombie apocalypse.
1: We go inside the barn, and all the food is in there, and Rick says, this is our food now. So not only does he not trust Aaron, he's like, I'm stealing all your food. Which was completely unnecessary.
0: Obviously, it's their food. Why would they give it back? Well, uh, you mean, well, why would he steal it all? Like, well, he's not stealing. It's just like, I just thought it was unnecessary to say, this is our food now, whether we go with you or not. Oh, I see. We're keeping this food, blah, 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 all this posturing craps, just like, you know, they got the food, it's in the barn, eat the food.
1: Yeah, eat it. Don't worry about it. I mean, you. this is not, he's, he, he does not consider Aaron a friend, so eat his food.
0: Yeah, why, you know, if he protests, stab him in the head.
1: That's what he said. And, you know, um, Rick is still, though, questioning whether they should go. They've now discovered that Aaron was not lying about the cars, that there wasn't lots of room for all of them. He has food. He left them the water. And Rick's still like, nope, not going. Don't trust you. But Carl and Michonne can't understand why they wouldn't go. Like, he hasn't lied. Like, so far, this guy has been, you know, on the... He's been upper level. He's been top notch. He has not been a liar. The up and up. The up and up. Exactly. Um, And uh, Michonne steps up and says, you know, forget it. We are going, all of us. Um, This is clearly a man we can at least start to trust. So why don't we take our chances and go? Mm -hmm. And then Rick turns around and says, yeah, okay, we'll go. (laughs) (laughs) But he asks Aaron where the camp is, and of course Aaron won't tell him, um, but he says we'll go north on Route 16, and uh, that'll get us there. But Rick being Rick is like, nope, we're not going to take 16, we're going to take 23, and we'll go at night. (laughs) Great plan, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right. Go at night on a mystery road where the trustworthy guy who's tied to a pole says that's a bad idea,
0: but no, no, we're going to go at night. And Rick has a map. Remember, we were talking last week. We were talking about, uh, hey, they should just find a friggin' map. That's true. Uh, Rick has a map now, so uh, I-, I wouldn't think there was any lakes on that map. That map was probably made without, uh, you know, paying attention to bodies of water.
1: Uh, it was a lake-free map. Yeah. Did they make those? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, a map by definition has all of this, the landscape, and on it. So you'd think a lake would be on there
0: not necessarily if it's a road map like why put a lake on there cuz you're not going to have a uh you know a big lake sure but all the little lakes like who cares there's no roads over the little lakes so who cares i don't know it may depend on the detail level of the
1: map right there are good maps and there are bad maps that there are anyhow um so yeah, Aaron won't tell him where it is, uh, and so Rick has his alternate plan. Michonne and Rick go outside, and she questions whether he really wants to go or if he was just trying to trick Aaron into revealing the location. And uh, Rick says, you know, we're going to go, but when you rolled up to Terminus and when you rolled up to Woodbury, what did you hear, you know, from outside the gate? And she says nothing. And Rick explains that he's he's thinking, his thoughts are... We have to roll up to this gate, and based on what we can hear, because we're not going to be able to see anything, what we can hear, I have to decide whether to bring my family inside that gate. Right. And that's that's a valid concern. I mean, as much as you trust the guy or whatever, you're going to get to a point where you're sort of at the point of no return, and you have very little information to base that decision on.
0: Right. But Rick also just had a conversation about uh, how— uh... Judas can cry and nobody on the outside of that, uh, that fence will be able to hear it. So, you know, really, what are you expecting to hear at that point? Because they've obviously gone to lengths to limit the sound that gets outside of those those uh,
1: walls. Well, I think Aaron's point was more that he he said, I think he was just trying to say it's big enough. You know, the community is big enough that you can have a house in the middle and she could scream all she wants, but no one outside the safe Zone, the safe area of the
0: community, would be able to hear it, right? But right. So, what are edge. you expecting to hear? You're expecting to hear normal life going on inside the walls. Well, you know, what if uh, what if the walls are on the far end of a buffer zone, so that sound doesn't get all the way out to attract zombies? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I just I just think it's weird that they had that conversation, as well as a conversation saying that that what Rick is hoping to hear won't happen.
1: No, no, you're absolutely right when you think about it like that. Um, even though I still think Rick has a, has a good point. Like all he's trying yeah. to say oh, is... Oh, it's a,
0: it's an excellent point, but yeah. it's, they had a, a counterpoint to it. That's true. In the same episode.
1: Yeah, like one, so, you know, one break earlier, sort of. Yeah. Um, all right. So they were driving at night now. I guess we're taking Rick's plan. And, uh, Rick is in the front. He finds a bunch of license plates in the glove box. And Aaron says he's trying to collect all 50 states for his house, to put up on a right.
0: wall. Which put would be, up in the garage. You know, you put it in the house. Well, he said house. Well, I know, but it's just, it's, you know, uh, license plates, it's the kind of thing you put in the garage, right? It's true. I think that'd be cool, though, to have a license plate from every state. That or, would be cool. Or province or region around where you live. You should talk to my father-in-law. He has a collection. Does he? Yeah. I think he has a polar bear one from the Yukon territories. Oh, that's cool. Or Northwest Territories or something. He's got a, He's got a few. But, you know, the provinces and territories are a lot easier to collect than all 50 states. Yeah, that is true. There's not so many of them. <laughs> Unless you go uh, go to some place like uh, Yosemite National Park and start stealing license plates. Eventually, you know, in a couple of days, you'll get all 50 states and you're done. Everybody's there. That's true. That's that's how to
1: do it if you really want all of them. Yeah. Pro tip. Not uh, condoning any sort of action <laughs> like that, but that would be the pro tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Aaron and Michonne are in the back, and he starts showing her pictures of his house and the community, and she realizes that there are no people in these pictures, which is a little suspicious and it's a little odd. Yeah, so she suddenly gets all defensive and suspicious, and she and they decide to ask Aaron the three questions. Remember those?
0: I do remember those, but uh, one thing I wanted to mention about pictures is that. Uh, He had started talking about the camera when Rick, uh, you know, taking the pictures when Rick uh, hauled off and hit him in the face, right? So he didn't get to finish his sentence about finding the camera. Because you can take a picture with a pinhole camera. Did you do that in high school where you take a shoebox and you poke a little tiny hole in it and you put some photosensitive paper on the other end and you take a picture? I know
1: the concept. I never really did it, though.
0: So it's not hard to make a, uh, you know, do-it-yourself camera if you have, you know, photosensitive paper. So that's what I'm thinking that he made was just, or or he found an old camera that just sort of worked. But those uh, pinhole cameras, because of the way they work, uh, you have to let in a lot of light and uh, any motion in the background will blur. Uh, so uh, having a picture of a person is hard to do because they would have to stand still for a long time. It's like the old-timey cameras in the 1800s uh-huh. where they had to have those really bright lights, and you had to stand perfectly still for like five or ten seconds in order to take a good picture of a person. So it's harder to take a picture of a person. Right. And in fact, uh, I saw a picture on the internet the other day uh, that is reported to be the first actual person or picture of, an, uh, of a human being because in this picture of the landscape, that person uh, was tying a shoe and stood in one spot long enough to show up on the photo paper. Wow. So I find it completely reasonable that... Uh, using a makeshift camera or an old camera or a semi-broken camera uh, that taking a picture of a person or a group of people would probably not turn out.
1: No, you're right. And he didn't manage to finish his sentence earlier on in the episode. He said something right. about, we found an old camera store and then, yeah, Rick punches them or cuts him off. So they
0: could have made a pinhole camera with some photosensitive paper.
1: Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. But it certainly aroused suspicion in Michonne in this scene. Right. She wasn't
0: thinking that way, I don't think. I just, I thought it was perfectly reasonable that taking a picture of a group of people probably wouldn't turn out using a camera that, because the pictures that they were showing, that he, that we were seeing, weren't like fantastic pictures. They look like old, you know, old photographs from a crappy pinhole camera to me.
1: Yeah, no, they really did. They really did. Um, So, but I mean, that's a lot to, uh, you know, that's a lot to process and think about in the moment.
0: I thought about it. Didn't take long. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you were in
1: that car, things would took have gone a lot
0: longer to explain. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> things would have gone very differently if you were in that car. Probably. So they ask him how many Walkers have you killed, and he says, "I don't know, a lot." And how many right. people have you killed? And he says, two. Mm-hmm. And why? And his answer was, "Because they were trying to kill me." Right. Fair enough. Uh, and just then Rick finds one of those listening devices, a big, uh, cone type thing. Shotgun microphone or,
0: uh, a parabola.
1: What do you call that? Satellite dish kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. One of those things. And, uh, you know, um, they realize that you were listening to us too. And he's like, yeah, I was watching you. I mean, why wouldn't I be listening to you? But before anything else happens, they start running into a shitload of zombies on the road. Yeah, they start smashing through. They're going, they're going, they're going. The car is crashing through them, getting more and more covered in blood. It becomes a real gore show. Like this car is just soaked in gore and yep. zombie parts. Um, eventually they spin out, which I thought it was even,
0: weird. Glenn be- didn't even turn on the wipers. Yeah, I know he like, didn't. Come on, cars have wipers. You know, sure it would smear the blood all over the place, but. Turn on the wiper It might help. You know, I don't know. know. It couldn't hurt.
1: It couldn't hurt. Exactly. Um, but he, and he just keeps going. Like maybe he was just panicking, right? And he didn't know what to do. Or maybe he's never driven the car before. So he didn't know where the wiper switch was.
0: Hard right. to find. And it's an old car. I wouldn't know where the wiper switch was. I'd go for the standard spot, but maybe it's on the floor someplace that you click with your foot. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But you're right. He didn't turn them on.
1: Eventually they spin out, which I thought was odd because there were no zombies around them when they were spinning out. But we
0: couldn't see any more. We couldn't see. Maybe he just jammed on the brakes. The
1: shot was from the outside of the car though. Like you'd think there would have been zombies in the vicinity, but they they seem to have crashed through the pack of zombies and then
0: spun out. No, he didn't spin out. He jammed on the brakes and you know, yanked the wheel. Uh That's what I mean. No, but I don't think I, I don't think it's uh due to uh, I think he did it on purpose once he got through the zombies or felt like all the zombies had stopped. he needed to stop the car to clean off the windscreen so that he could see. I think he knew what he was doing okay that i'll I'll go with that then I felt like it was
1: it was you know he lost control of the car, spun, hit the brakes, and then and then was it but it he was he just would turned weird there... into the skid.
0: That's what you turn into the skid. Everybody knows that.
1: Yeah, I know. But I just thought it was weird that there were no zombies around suddenly. But you're right. If he'd realized he's through it, but he couldn't see where he was going, you're going to stop and try to clean that car off.
0: Yeah, I, fi- I figured he was in complete control and he knew what he was doing.
1: All right. Well, they get out of the car and they realize that the RV isn't behind them anymore. So they've, oh, they've lost them, which is bad. Um, they decide to circle back around, they say. But of course, the car won't
0: start. That's because it's too full of arms, apparently. (laughs) It's too full of arms, yeah. The engine's got too many arms in it. (laughs) The zombies are approaching. Uh,
1: Michonne gets out and, like you said, finds the engine full of body parts, just full. And and, uh, they decide they have to flee on foot. They see a flare go up in the distance. Yeah. Which is curious. Um, Aaron starts saying, this is over. You know, I got to get out of here. So he gets out and runs away. And, uh, um, Michonne suggests that everyone will have seen that flare and they'll all go to it. So we should go to that flare. Smart. was very smart. Because Rick just wants to like run off and try to find them, right? Yep. So they run into the woods. They kill a ton of zombies. Glenn gets separated and he very nearly gets grabbed by a zombie, uh, after shooting a bunch, but he has good reflexes and he falls to the ground with it and eventually smashes its head on a rock.
0: Yep. So Glenn is still alive. After that was uh, really bad. The body, the special effect of the body, it was obviously a very light dummy. It was bad. The way he was picking it up and just smashing it down again? Well, even afterwards, after even after he smashed it, he uh, he leaned on it to get up and it was moving and stuff. And it's just this, the, the effect was, uh, it was shameful. Okay. Well, I
1: didn't really notice actually, which is weird, but I I was just happy Glenn was okay
0: yeah he rolled it over to get it off of him, and then he and then he grabbed it and it looked like a uh a shirt stuffed with uh with a pillow is what it looked like <laughs> it
1: was a it was a pillow wearing a shirt yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad Glenn was okay. He gets up and he finds Aaron who has his hands tied behind his back still and he's kicking away a zombie yeah um Glenn takes a moment is about to turn away and leave him. But then he turns back and he saves him and cuts him free.
0: Yeah, good old Glenn.
1: Yeah, Glenn had a moment right there where he made a decision. He's like, "Am I gonna be, am I gonna be Glenn who leaves someone to die and doesn't help them, or am I going to be Glenn who retains some humanity and saves this person even though I don't know anything about him?" Mm-hmm. And he chose, he chose humanity, Glenn, which is he good. Did.
0: Yeah, I like that, Glenn.
1: Um, so they hear some shooting and Aaron reminds Glenn that they can still only make it together. So they run, uh, Rick, uh, Rick is there. We see Rick. He runs out of ammo. So he fires a flare into the <laughs> zombie's eye. Ouch. That was pretty amazing. The way his... And that th-
0: provides them light for the next, uh, little bit of the battle there. So I think that's rather well. We've got ourselves a, uh, a zombie candle.
1: You're right. It was, it was, a. It was a bonus. (laughs) The zombie candle was a bonus for sure. But I just thought it looked amazing how the zombie's head all lit up from the inside and stuff. Yeah.
0: Where did he get the flare though? Because when Rick got the first picked up the flare gun, he checked it and it was empty. Hmm. And now all of a sudden it's full. So I don't know where he got the actual flare. Like I know where he got the flare gun, but I don't know where he got the flare. Uh, There must have been flares separately
1: in Aaron's pack or something.
0: Well, I hope so. Where else would it
1: have come from really? Yeah. Uh, They start to get overwhelmed with zombies, because you only have so many flares, and uh, suddenly Glenn shows up with his assault rifle, and he takes them all out, which was lucky for them, and then we see all four of them run out onto Route 16 now, which was the original plan. Right. So that's where they should have been to begin with. Uh, They approach the direction of the flare, which is towards a water tower. Yes. That's what they saw when the flare went up. So they get there. And they find the rest of the group, Aaron, everyone's reuniting quickly, and Aaron is looking for his buddy, Eric. And he keeps asking if he is, and Eric turns out he's inside and he has a broken ankle. And now Aaron and Eric reunite with a passionate kiss. Yes, they do. (laughs) Um, And they talk about how, you know, he saw the flare. Aaron is saying, I saw the flare, I thought it was all over. And they're just very, very happy to be back together again. Hmm. So they chat a bit and Eric shows him a license plate that he found, except Aaron tells him, well, I lost the rest of the plates. And in fact, I lost the car too. So, uh, you know, it's too full of arms. Thanks. But that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they joke about the RV being the only vehicle left and it being so ugly, it'll scare the roamers away. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're having a good laugh. These two guys obviously have a good, rapport and a good relationship and are in love mm-hmm. yeah so they they they're they make quite a cute couple um and they're laughing away just as rick comes in and uh eric walk Aaron. sorry walks out eric and Aaron. they couldn't have chosen two names that were a little less similar
0: well they could have i guess but you know your wife's name is christina thanks. chris and christina who are you to complain thanks for pointing that out <laughs> <laughs> touche <laughs>
1: um, they, uh, what happens, Aaron walks out and he thanks everybody from the bottom of his heart for saving Eric. He says he'll pay them back in full when they get back to his community called Alexandria.
0: Well, how do you pay, pay him back in full? Well, he says like, it's, I owe you like all I- a
1: debt and I will pay you back. I don't okay.
0: know. Well, hopefully he's got a bunch of cash
1: or, well, you know what? He's just going to make it up to them somehow. Cheeseburgers. That'd do it. Oh, that would do it for sure. <laughs> but, you know what? If anywhere has cheeseburgers, it's Alexandria. Yeah, that would
0: be great. Cheeseburger.
1: It I love that. Makes me want to have a cheeseburger. That's what? It makes me want to have a cheeseburger. Yeah, me too. Uh, they decide to sleep there for the night because they've had enough, you know, excitement for the evening. And Rick initially won't let Aaron be with Eric, but Glenn steps up and convinces him otherwise. You know, the yeah. guy's got a broken ankle. What's what's possibly going to go wrong? They can be yeah, taken. Yeah, really?
0: What's the harm? Just let them
2: exactly. hang out together.
0: Relax, Rick, is what he's trying to say. Yeah. What uh, kind of building are they in? Um Were you able to figure it out? I wasn't able to figure it out. No, not
1: really. I mean, is this some sort of building below the water tower?
0: Well, I don't think so. I think it was just, it's you know, there's a small community there of some kind. But uh, I couldn't tell if it was an auto body shop or... Uh, I thought I saw what was a, a scale, and there's like uh, mesh doors, like metal doors uh, kicking around. I couldn't, t- I couldn't figure out what kind of building this was.
1: No, I I, didn't, uh, I couldn't really either. I mean, I couldn't say. I don't know. But if it's a community with a little water tower, I mean, water towers aren't usually in the middle of nowhere by
0: themselves. So there's probably— No, because what's the point of that, really? You know, I want all this water pressure for— Nobody. —that ditch. yeah
1: it's a really well pressurized ditch yeah Uh, no I don't know I mean there's probably shops and stores around so they just picked one and went in seems secure um and Glenn part of Glenn's little speech to Rick here is him saying you know I want us to be safe but we can't do it at the expense of everything else and that relates back to the decision he made to save Aaron in that moment yeah right um the 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 problem i had with this a little bit is that and it's not really a problem but it made me realize that i feel like glenn has flip-flopped back and forth a bunch of times on this issue he's he has. you know he he wants to help people he wants to save the guy in the train car that didn't go so well so then he doesn't want to save anyone and when they were when they were investigating noah's town um he's saying how we got to survive, and I would have shot her in the head and just left her there talking about Dawn. And now he's back to being Glenn, who wants to help everybody, and so on. So he's wavered, and I think, I hope, he's finally made the sort of final decision of what he's going to—how he's going to behave.
0: Right. I have a, I have a saying that uh, might—that uh, fits the situation. Uh, I like to think that uh, consistency is the refuge of the weak-minded. Okay. So that's it. So— He's been inconsistent, but at a certain point, you got to make a decision and live your life, you know,
1: uh, in accordance with it.
0: Bad do whatever you want. It's a zombie apocalypse for crying out loud! If you want to shoot somebody in the head, shoot him in the head. Damn it!
1: I guess you could say that every situation is different, and you got to make the right one for the situation. That's right. The right decision.
0: You got. You have to shoot somebody in the in the head, uh, depending on the situation. That's right. <laughs> I'll
1: keep that in mind. Uh, we're back on the road in the morning and Noah brings some medicine and water to the back. Uh Aaron asks him about his leg, and he tells him that they have a really gifted surgeon named Pete in Alexandria, and maybe he can help. Pete mm-hmm. the surgeon. Yeah. Noah seems very interested and happy about this. Yeah. Up front, Abraham is driving and they come around a bend and they can see Washington in the distance. You can see the Washington Monument.
0: Yes, big obelisk.
1: They are almost there. He notices a low voltage light on in the dashboard of the RV, but yeah. he says, you know, he takes, he he decides to be optimistic and he says, we can make it.
0: We can make it. It's all downhill. Every, it's fine. Really, what do you
1: need voltage for in a car anyway? No, exactly. We can do it, he's saying. Cut to them not making it. Oh, so close. <laughs> so close. Battery's dead on the side of the road. And Glenn shows Abraham that everything will be fine because they have another battery in the side of the RV. And I guess he
0: learned this from Dale? Yeah, they, Dale, they spent a lot of time fixing this vehicle, or Dale's vehicle. I, I remember mean, this is Dale's vehicle. Who the hell knows? I don't think so. Oh, wait, that one burned in the fire, didn't it?
1: Uh, Yeah, it, it J- lit Jimmy on fire. Did Jimmy
0: burn in the fire with the... with the Jimmy yeah, was... got
1: eaten by zombies in the, in the RV at the barn fire. Yeah, all right. So, but similar, similar RV and luckily Glenn knows, uh, knows a thing or two about it. So they have another battery. So everything's going to be a-okay. Yeah. Now we see Michonne and Rick chatting and, uh, she says that, you know, the fight is over and you gotta let it go. And she says it's hard because the fight is what's kept him alive all this time, but eventually it'll turn on you. So you have to let it go.
0: This is the wrong time to have this conversation. Why is that? Because they're, they're not done. They're not there yet. That's true. They don't know what's going to happen when they get there. You can't let your guard down yet. You can't even talk about letting your guard down yet. Because as soon as you talk about it, that's like uh, uh, that's like a, a a policeman saying that I'm two weeks from retirement. I can get through it. I'm going to buy a boat. That's just <laughs> the kiss of death right there.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So, no, you... you that's this is the wrong time to have this conversation. So, from a a character point of view, uh, characters you shouldn't talk about this kind of thing until it's actually time to put your guard down, and then you can worry about letting it go. Like, don't give up yet. You know, you keep your eyes on the prize. Uh, you know, friggin' keep your head on the in the game there. Uh, and from a writing point of view, it, it was it's even worse from, this is the wrong time to have that conversation. Have that conversation, uh, you know, two weeks later when they're inside the compound and, uh, you know, I assume that, um, you know, spoiler alert, they go in and uh, it seems to be some kind of community, like, well, because we learned that in this episode in a couple of minutes. But, uh, you know, have that conversation then. When it's hard, when you actually have to let your guard down, when it's okay to let your guard down, have the conversation then. Or or already have let your guard down. Then you can say, this is the right
1: thing to do. And, you know, if you don't let your guard down, if you don't, like, give up the fight now, it's going to consume you. So this is when you do it. But... Um, I mean, maybe I can see your point. You clearly feel strongly about this. (laughs) Yeah. It's the wrong place to have it. It it, it was. I definitely agree with that. But maybe Michonne is just saying, well, it doesn't sound like it the way it was, it was phrased, but maybe she's just saying, you know, be prepared. You're going to have to
0: let this go eventually. Maybe not right now, but eventually you will. Well, even then, why give somebody something else to worry about? Yeah, that's true. Doesn't have anything pressing on your current life. Like, I mean, hell, there's nothing you can do about it now. So, you know, keep your head on a swivel. Let's just get there. Yeah. Well, they're almost there. They are
1: almost there. So just before they're about to leave, um, Rick's... Oh, sorry. Rick says one more thing at the end of this conversation that I thought was good. He said, he sort of says, like, I want to do that, but the rules keep changing. Right. And he's trying to say, like, you know, I, I would let my guard down, but there's a different set of situation, a different set of circumstances all the time. And like, you know, when do I know to, when, how do I know to let somebody in? Or how do I know when it's a good time to run away? Or something like that, you know? So he's trying to say, you know, maybe I will let my guard down someday, but I, I just can't find out how, I can't figure out how to do that because I can't approach every situation the same way.
0: Which and I, you know, that's a valid point. Which
1: I think is a good response, actually, to her telling him that he's got to relax a little bit. Yeah. Right?
0: I mean, even you, you, she, you could have spun the conversation differently. You know, chill out. This guy's probably on the up and up. You know, you don't have to be so hard on him and uh, punch him in the face every time you think he's lying, even though he's just trying to tell you about a stupid camera that he friggin' built. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, just you, you, they could have spun the conversation that way. Yeah, you know, it's just like be you know th- these guys seem to be on the up and up. You can cut them a little slack. It's like, well, yeah, but the, the you know the situation keeps changing, and I can't trust anybody because uh, no matter what anybody does, there's always something to worry about. Right? No, you know, I so they could have split
1: Um, so the RV starts up. Everyone's excited, but Rick says he needs a moment. And all I can think is like he needs to go take a dump in the He's woods before take a they dump. go. You know, it, you know,
0: it happens. it happens. You know, even everybody poops. Everybody, even Rick Grimes. Even Rick Grimes. He walks. Well, in. No, not Rick Grimes. He's a character. Characters don't poop. Uh, Andrew Lincoln poops, I suppose. Yes, I'm not sure about Rick
1: Grimes. Okay, well, he walks into the woods, into the bush, and another kind of weird scene. I thought, and he walks into the bush. He finds it. Comes to an old house, like just some old abandoned house that's all run down finds a bunch of garbage there, picks up a discarded like blender thing, puts a gun in it, hides a gun in it and leaves it there. So he does exactly the same thing that he did before they went into Terminus.
0: Why didn't, why did you find this awkward or difficult?
1: Well, I found the scene a a little awkward, just how it's, you know, they're on the road, they're talking to Michonne he's like, okay, I got to go do something. And then suddenly he's in the middle of the forest near a house, like as if he knew where he was going. But the, but what it, sh- you know, it should have come across more that he wandered in looking for a place to hide this, and then he found this, uh, found this, this location. Right. I just felt like it was like, what the hell is he doing? Where is he? Like, is he actually going to look for an outhouse or what's going on here, you know? Um, well, it was a little awkward to get to this situation, but I think this is a very important scene. I like agree. Being- it's an important scene, but why are... It's the same thing that he tried before. So is this like his only move when they go into a new place? Like hide a gun out there somewhere?
0: Well, it's a spare gun. It's the gun he got off of Aaron. I don't think
1: it's the same gun.
0: Oh yeah, it was no. Like he took the gun from Aaron. He checked it and he put it in the the small of his back. And this gun he pulled out of the small of his back.
1: I think it's an it's a different weapon though. Yeah. I if I remember seeing the two weapons, I think they're different. But it doesn't matter where he got it. I just like so he's doing the same thing again. He's hiding a gun. It okay. worked last time, Well, so it did, why not? It did help, I suppose. I'd do it. Yeah. Well, he hides it, and uh, we cut to the group pulling up to the gates of Alexandria, and Rick is driving. He's in the front car with Michonne. They stop, and they can hear children playing inside the walls. So this yeah. all comes back to what would he be able to hear as they approach the gate. And for the first time, they hear happy sounds. They hear people. They hear children. They hear, you know, what sounds like a friendly, safe place. hmm And we have this amazing close-up shot on Rick's eyes. And you can—I I thought Andrew Lincoln did a masterful job here of portraying the fact that Rick Grimes— suddenly comes to the realization that this is going to be a safe place and he's going to go in and he did it all with his eyes.
0: Yes, I thought that was, uh, I thought it was wonderful. And then immediately after that,
1: the camera pulls out and you, you can almost see him struggle to let go of the steering wheel. You can see him struggle to release his grip on that steering wheel and it was him just letting go, him, you know, buying into the idea of going into this place and he lets go of that steering wheel. And from that point, that second on, he's completely on board with going into Alexandria. I I thought this whole scene was some of the best I've ever seen Andrew Lincoln do on this show.
0: Yeah, it was really good.
1: Because he didn't really even say it. a word, but look at how much he portrayed, you know? Yep. Uh, so he goes and he gets Judith out of the back seat. And as Carol walks by, she says to him, even though you were wrong, you were still right. Right. You know? he she's trying to say you've got to be skeptical you've got to you know do what you feel is right but i think in this case i think this is a good decision to come trust
0: here. but verify
1: that's right rick uh kisses judith on the head and they approach the gate of alexandria the end
0: i was hoping that we'd get the the gate opening and just welcome, welcoming them into uh, Alexandria. That's what I, how I was hoping it would end.
1: I agree with you, actually. I was hoping we'd see the gate slide, start to slide open, but not what's behind it. Like, not really a welcome committee or anything, just see the gate starting to open, and maybe just a hint of something in there, you know, whatever, and then cut to black. But right. it was still, a, in my opinion, a pretty good ending, but mostly that was because of the way Andrew Lincoln nailed this scene. Yeah, just nailed it. So good. Um so there you have it. That is uh that is the latest episode, The Distance. They have gone the distance and they have now made it
0: to Alexandria. And you're singing the cake song in your head, aren't you? Yes, the cake song just keeps running through my head. I wish I could sing I'd give it to you as well. <laughs> for your head to run through. Well, I, you know, I don't need that right now.
1: <laughs> so Overall, I'm going to tell you that I think of the three episodes that we've had since the midseason break, this was probably the weakest.
0: Really? I was yeah. thinking that this might have been my favorite. This, I mean, there was a couple of stumbles script-wise, but uh, overall, I kind of liked this episode. I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I think it was okay. Um,
1: but for me, it was the weakest. And, and it's because of some of those script- script i think problems um it felt a little over long not that it was longer than usual but it just felt a little like it took a little too long to get there i mean we didn't really need the the uh zombie battle in the woods oh i um, think
0: we needed that i think that was good no
1: i thought the i thought the car i mean I, the road part was good where they're driving through the zombie like you know, horde on the road. That was good. It was kind of unique. The one in the woods, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I I mean it was it was good because we had the Glen scene where he turned a corner and realized what he was doing. But overall, I'm like, yeah, nighttime zombie. It's a bit cliche, you know, to run into the woods and they have to do this, run out of ammo, things like that. And then the car not starting, such a horror movie trope. I'm just like, you know what? As soon as the car- There's too many
0: severed arms in the engine. You can't start a car with that many severed severed arms in the engine. Oh, I've tried. I know that very well. But I'm just saying, like, as soon as that car stopped, before
1: I knew there was severed arms in it, I was like, it's not starting again. It's like, they're going to be stuck here. I just knew it. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Now, explaining it with severed arms, fine. That was kind of cool, I admit. But the whole episode was a little tropey for me, but I still liked it, and I still think it was an important episode. It was especially important for Rick, right? His, his progression. I, I,
0: I think I disagree with you. I like the idea of, uh, you know, having to plow through zombies and Glenn uh You know feeling that he has to keep going because he doesn 't want to get rear ended by uh a Winnebago and he has to he has to plow through and then all of a sudden the car won 't start because there 's too much gore in the engine, and then they have to get out of the car and they have to go through the woods, but there 's zombies and they have to fight them off and uh they 're going after the handcuff guy and the handcuff guy is there, and Glenn has to come to his moral decision to save the handcuff guy and then they go to the water tower and they have to spend the night and then there's this uh <laughs> reunion. We went through but, all this already. <laughs> I know we went through all this, but I liked this. I liked that kind of that. I didn't have any problems with that, other than the uh, uh, the zombie that Glenn uh, was attacked by was obviously a pillow wearing a shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, I think I disagree with you. i I like the uh, I like that whole thing. All right. Well, for me, it felt like too much of
1: just a a means to an end almost like they're maybe a little less of it would have been. Okay. I do, you know, the stuff you mentioned, like driving through the zombies, I thought was good. Um, Glenn's moral decision in the forest. I thought was good. Rick's, uh, arc in this episode was good going from completely untrustworthy to, to being able to let go a little bit of that and realize that there might be something here for them. I thought that was all good and it was all important for the characters and so on. um, Uh, You know, but, and even Michonne, like, it struck me a little bit odd that Michonne was so willing to trust Aaron right off the front. Because Michonne's been pretty untrustworthy in the past. Now, maybe she just relies on instinct, but remember when she got into Woodbury, never trusted the governor for a second. And the governor seemed like a, um, at first, anyway, seemed like a friendly guy, yet she never trusted him. Aaron walks up and she... Almost immediately, she's like, I think this guy's okay. We need to go with him.
0: Well, look how clean his shirt was. How do you not trust a guy whose shirt is that clean the apocalypse? Governor had
1: just as clean
0: a shirt when they first met I don't met know. Him. He was looking, ah. Uh, I'm sorry. No, saying, Aaron had much a, a much cleaner shirt. Well, I don't know. I just think that-
1: Minor inconsistencies. But at the same time, I I have trouble even saying that that's an an inconsistency with Michonne because a lot has happened since then, right? And characters change. And we have seen her change. We've seen her slowly warm up to other people like Carl and, well, mostly Carl, but everybody in the group. And so, you know, characters can change. And I totally, totally get that. Um, But it was on my mind. And maybe sometimes that's... um, a downside to having such a big cast that sometimes you don't necessarily get everything you want from a character before, you know, they're up in the spotlight next. Right. Right. Anyways. um, So, so I liked it, but I think I liked the last two episodes more than this one.
0: I liked this episode. I thought it was good.
1: All right. Um, So we'll see. I think we're at a turning point though in this series now, you know, we've come to Alexandria, Um, I don't know what's going to happen inside Alexandria and, you know, maybe, maybe everything will just be a okay for a little while. And frankly, at the end of this episode, it sure was nice to feel like something good is happening to these people. Even if it's only going to last for a minute, right? It was nice to feel like something good had just happened and maybe they'll have some, uh, refuge from the zombie apocalypse for a little while.
0: Yeah, and I think one by one they're putting down their mantle of fear and doubt and uh, going to accept the, uh, uh, the what's to come.
1: Right, and hopefully what's to come is a good thing. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. Somewhere to live, somewhere
0: safe, food, you know, shelter. But this is The Walking Dead, right? So. It's not the find a happy place and stay there uh, forever because it's happy and lovely. No, that's a that's whole different show. Flowers, Yeah, that's a whole different show. <laughs> it's always sunny in Philadelphia, maybe.
1: Well, maybe. So one of these days, I mean, they're going to get there. I have a feeling those steel walls aren't going to last forever.
0: No, no, you can't. All it's right. It's like Chekhov's gun. You you show us, yeah, we've got these perfectly built walls that nobody can ever get through. It's like the Titanic. It'll never sink. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Not even God could knock down these walls. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs>
1: All right, well, if you have some thoughts on this episode, send them in to us, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com, or uh, give us a call, 1-844-483-9662. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we have our latest entry in the Record Your Favorite Scene Contest and our holy crap moments from this episode. Stay with us. Do you
3: remember how you were going to stay free? Saw it coming to me But when I turned around to look at you It was all that I could do To see the distance Everybody wants to walk
1: The Talking Dead podcast is an entirely listener-supported podcast, everybody. Uh, Jason, where should people go if they want to help us out here and, and support The Talking Dead? Uh, Patreon would be good. That is a good idea. Patreon.com slash The Talking Dead. You can go and uh, make a small monthly pledge to us which, uh, which comes right in and goes entirely into putting you know into uh, defraying the cost of putting on this podcast and there's a few different levels you can pledge at with some rewards we've had a couple of people uh you know pledge at some of the higher levels lately and uh you can get rewards like a signed postcard from us who wouldn't want that right right yeah great and at the at the top end you can get a uh, a signed postcard with a -a one-of-a-kind zombie sketch on the back by friend of the show dave he is a hell of a comic artist. And, oh, those are uh,
0: great, those things. I love those uh, the, the illustration that, that it does. They
1: are very cool. It's it's the kind of thing you could keep and treasure forever and know that you've done your part to, to help out what we do here. The other way you can help is simply by using our Amazon links. That's probably the easiest way. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and choose the country store of your choice. And uh, then any purchases you make at Amazon a quick or not a quick it's not quick at all but a small cut comes back to us and it doesn't cost you anything extra it's super easy we have no idea um what you're buying so you don't have to worry about that you can buy all the weird intimate apparel you want and we'll never have any idea we applaud that (laughs) yes we do but it does help a great deal and we really really appreciate it thanks to everyone that helps out and thanks to everyone for listening This show is for you, and it's great to have uh, everybody on board. So we appreciate the help. That's patreon.com slash thetalkingdead or talkingdeadpodcast.com slash amazon. Okay, we're back, and uh, now we are going to, before we get into Holy Crap, I want to play an entry in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Now, this one comes from Roman in Toronto, and this is a weird one. We may have to talk about this one a little bit, Jason.
0: It's a little bit weird, is it? Well,
1: it's it's different. Um, you made a comment on a previous episode, oh geez. and <laughs> Roman took it to heart, so uh, uh, here is his scene, and I'll... I'll play it, and then I'll tell you how he described it after the fact. Okay. Mr.
2: Grimes? Are you awake, Mr. Grimes? No, no, don't try to move. You are in the Grady Hospital Herschel Wing in Atlanta. My name is Dr. Tyrese Campbell. Sir, you've been shot. You just came out of surgery, and it looks like you're going to be okay. Your wound is patched up and there's no sign of infection, all right? Listen, your family's in the waiting room. Carl, Lori, even your partner Shane. No, don't try to speak. Just lay back. You're a hero, Mr. Grimes. The governor wants to pin a medal on you. But don't worry about that right now. Our main concern is making you feel better. Now get some rest. Dr. Glenn and Nurse Maggie will be in to check your vitals in a second. I'll go have a talk with your family, and if you're feeling up to it, uh, they could come in and speak to you. Welcome back, Mr. Grimes.
1: All right, thanks, Roman, for that. And he describes that as the last scene from The Walking Dead Season
0: 11. (laughs) So he's gone into the future and uh found the the last scene of the show and performed it.
1: Well, you know, in your infinite wisdom last time or maybe the podcast before that, you said that uh you could record any scene including future scripts. So Roman and Toronto yeah. decided to do just that.
0: That's awesome. So, how did uh, so Roman, I have a question for you. Did you actually uh go to the future and watch the episode, or were you able to transport the script back in time, or did you transfer the writer's consciousness, uh, <laughs> transfer it back into his uh, current body, and then ask him what the hell?
1: Let's just uh assume, let's assume for a second here that that actually was a script from the future. Which it's yeah, not, okay. but let's assume it was.
0: Why, well, why did, wait? Whoa, well, whoa! Well, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't agree with that. Why does it necessarily? I
1: assume that since he did it, that is true. Why does it necessarily have to have been acquired through some sort of supernatural means? Why could he have not just, you know? Why? How come he doesn't just know a writer and he got the script from him?
0: Oh, you're saying that the writer already has written the script?
1: You're talking or- about time travel, about conscious transference. <laughs> And I'm I'm talking about, I called a writer and he gave me a script. Now, I mean, this is clearly silly because season 11 is long gone, or um, long in the future, not long gone. <laughs> Where you've come from the future. Yeah, I am from the future. Uh, anyways, that's all I'm saying. Uh, thank you for that read. Nobody knows what the script is going to be yet. I know that. So it has to be time travel. All right, fine. Come on, man, to, think. It has to be time travel. Um... <laughs> Anyways, thank you. That was hilarious, and I like the sound effects in the background. That was great. Very bloop, beep, bloop, bloop. That's right. All right, here we go. Holy crap. Did you see that? Okay, time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Um, First one comes from regular listener Bianca in Manila, Philippines.
2: Hi, this is Bianca from Manila, Philippines. I was on sick leave today, so I got to watch the new episode. I just wanted to say my holy crap moment was that whole sequence from when Michonne asked Rick if he asked the three questions. All the way until they found the other people in their group. So it made me feel like watching season one all over again, not knowing what would happen until the end credits. And I'm excited to know what will happen in episode 13. No, sorry, 12.
1: Thank you, Bianca. Uh, So she's with you. She really liked that sequence.
2: Yeah, that was good.
1: On the road, in the forest, back on the road, and then to the water tower. Uh, Next one comes from Nicole in Boston. And it's a bit long, but I wanted to play it anyways.
3: So here's Nicole. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Nicole, uh, currently buried in Boston. Um, I'm calling with my holy crap, did you see that moment? And for this episode, sadly, I have to say the moment that really stood out and looking back at the episode makes me say, holy crap, did you see that, was the really bad, in my opinion, transition between the really awesome flare fight scene in the woods and when our gang popped out of the woods and began walking down the street um, to find the rest of the gang, Um, I'm not sure if it's because usually after an incredibly action-packed scene like the one that we had just seen, um, we're used to going immediately to a commercial break um, to kind of help our minds process all of the awesomeness that we had just seen um, and kind of return to normal before the show comes back, or if it's because it was just a really bit of a long, extra long pause of just a black screen between those two cuts. Um, Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I was expecting something else and a little bit more creative from uh, the writers and director, but I don't don't quite know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. I was wondering if you guys might have had an opinion on that, um, and if so, what that was.
1: Thanks, Nicole. So first of all, she's currently buried in Boston, hopefully under, just under snow and not, you know, actually buried under dirt. That would not be good.
0: That'd be very bad.
1: Um, but I do know, you know, we have some snow here, but nothing like what's happening out on the East Coast right now. No kidding. kidding. Um, Boston is not that far. I mean, I guess it's probably like eight or 10 hours from uh, the Canadian, or um, from Nova Scotia. But I know where my sister lives. They have like, I don't know, 12 feet of snow or something like that right now. So, buried. Crazy. Uh, But regarding her point, um, I don't know. So, she's talking about the scene where they um, finish the the fight scene in the woods and then they come back out onto the road. There's sort of a longer cut to black there. Like I said earlier, I didn't watch this show live, so I'm not 100% sure where the commercial breaks were. Usually you can kind of tell, but I don't know for sure if there was a commercial break in there or not. And if not, maybe it was just a bit of an awkward, uh, slightly awkward cut from one scene to the
0: next. Maybe they meant it to be a commercial break, but uh, ultimately it wasn't. And so they put in a longer than uh, normal, just, you know, black screen.
1: It could have been. I don't know. I'm not always 100% sure who gets the final say on where the commercials go. It may be a collaboration between director editing and network. I don't know. Um, But one thing that this reminds me of is that a lot of people, there has been a lot of um, complaining online about the way AMC is Distributing the commercials throughout the episodes since the break, actually.
0: Yeah, I've noticed. I watched the uh, the first episode back live, and uh, there was a lot of commercials.
1: Well, there was no more. In, there was no more commercials in terms of time, right? The episode was still forty three minutes long, or whatever it was. But what they do is they backload them. They don't put any commercials in the first, you know, fifteen twenty minutes, yeah. and then they cram them all in at the end. So. It feels like there's that. a lot more at the end, and that's what sticks with people. That's what you they remember. So it I don't like it. I, I personally would rather have them just distributed throughout the episode, and you get your 10-minute 10, 10 uh, segments or whatever it is. Um, but they seem to be really backloading them a lot lately. And I know they've always done this for premieres, like premieres, season finales, where they really want to hook people in and get them— you know, into the episode, but usually yeah. in the episodes in between, they don't they don't do it. They distribute them better. So I don't know what AMC is doing this time, but there it feels like there's more commercials than usual.
0: It's crazy. And I just uh, I read a story where the I I forget which network, but there's a network that's rerunning episodes of Seinfeld, and they're running the uh, the episodes. I think it's seven point three percent faster than uh, they're speeding them up by seven point three percent in order to fit more commercials in. Oh, that just makes me want to kill somebody. You can't really tell, but if you run the, you know, a clean episode back to back from a a sped up episode, they just, they slightly go out of sync. I mean, the voices don't change and they're not running around like uh, an old timey movie that's running on the wrong speed projector. But, uh, you know, seven, you know, seven and a half percent, you can't really tell, but it does give you an extra 15, 20 seconds by the end of the episode to run commercials. That just pisses me off though.
1: Yeah that's just the kind of thing that pisses me off. Then again, Kramer's moving at high speed most of the time anyways. So
0: yeah. And I don't like that backfilling. I mean, they, they've, they've done that before. I've seen it, uh, you know, in season three of 24. I remember for some reason back in the, the 2004 or five or whatever the hell it was they would do that. They would, you know, the first 45 minutes of the episode wouldn't have any commercials. And all of a sudden, they'd say three words, it'd be a commercial. And they'd say five words, and it'd be a commercial. Mm-hmm. And then they'd have a little shootout, and then halfway through the shootout, they'd be a commercial. It just drove me nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of,
1: I mean, I'm not watching these live, this, uh, this part of the season, so it doesn't bother me as much. But I have seen, I know exactly what people mean, and it bothers me a lot, too. I wish they'd just do it right.
0: It's like when you buy something on iTunes and the first 15 seconds of the uh, the iTunes video is a commercial for another show uh by the same network. It's yeah. like I just paid for that friggin' thing. I don't want a stupid ad in it. Oh, it drives me nuts. I complained to Apple. They didn't care. It was New Girl. I <laughs> bought it it's season of New Girl and the first 5 episodes had a uh, a commercial for something else. It drove me nuts. Yeah. Yeah, Apple didn't care. They're like, yeah, no, the provider gives it to us that way. We don't have any say in that. It's like, well, screw you then.
1: Yeah, nothing they, nothing they can do. Hate that. All right, uh Frank on the internet writes, "So, The Walking Dead finally did it. After years of people complaining about diversity, they broke down the door of sexuality and introduced at least two gay characters. Thank you. Now to address the show's obvious lack of Eskimos, I guess we wait for season 6?" <laughs> Um, Eskimo
0: is a derogatory term.
1: Well, I wanted to bring that up. I, I I wasn't sure about that. It's Inuit. It depends where you are. Oh. Um, Inuit is used in a lot of places, but there are still a lot of places where Eskimo is perfectly valid. And uh, I, I was mostly just looking it up out of interest because I wasn't sure. So um, apparently both are okay. It depends where you live.
0: Okay. Well, uh, what do you mean— like, where would uh, Eskimo—where is Eskimo okay?
1: Alaska, apparently. Apparently, that's a perfectly normal, valid term in Alaska, although most of Canada uses the word Inuit. Right. Okay.
0: Um, But it, like I said, depends where you are, so, you know, that's just the way the world works. Anyways— I, Just my thought was to, you know, what I learned was that Eskimos uh, are basically what uh, people termed— uh, what the what the people who lived in the north that's was what they called them whereas the inuit is what they call themselves
1: um yeah i i don't know i mean i mean that's that's usually a good way to to um decide what the most appropriate term for a group of people is
0: we're canadians and we call ourselves canadians and everybody else calls us canadians <laughs> what's your point that, what's your point i don't know we could be canucks
1: <laughs> uh, yeah but that's not i don't find that derogatory canuck that's, that's not that's derogatory true. at all Anyways, I, I, I don't have a point any either, so... <laughs> okay. Uh, Frank <laughs> had a point, though, and he said that they broke down the door of sexuality and introduced two oh, gay yeah, characters, right. so right. good for them. Um, uh, it's, it's great,
0: you know? I really... I thought it was great that, the, uh, that they had this relationship on network television, and then I forgot about it, to be honest.
1: Put it this way. I just want good characters. Gay, straight, whatever. Any, anything in between. And uh, if they're good characters, that's fine. Yeah. Katie in the UK, she says, my holy crap moment this week was the group finally making it to Washington or near Washington. That shot of the group driving around the corner and seeing the Washington Memorial statue in the distance was awesome.
0: It was awesome. Made me want to go to the Smithsonian. Oh man, you could touch everything if you, the zombie apocalypse and you got to go to the Smithsonian. (laughs) You just go in there and it would all be open and free. Yeah, you go into, I'd want to go to the, uh, to the televi- movie and television section and go hang out in the swamp, you know, and mash uh, their tent. Mm-hmm. They, have the, they have that in the Smithsonian. I've always wanted to go there and see that.
1: I've been to the, well, a long time ago, the National Air and Space Museum at the Smithsonian, which well, was really be, that'd cool. That'd be cool too. Yeah. That was years ago, but I'd like to do it again.
0: Don't they have a uh, moonlander? Yep, they oh, do. Man, that'd be fun. I'd take that sucker down and go sit in there. Totally, man. (laughs) Oh, now I want there to be a zombie apocalypse so I can go hang out in the Smithsonian without anybody telling me, don't touch that. You'd have bigger problems. All right.
1: uh, Sebastian in Pennsylvania and James in Oklahoma sent basically the same one. And James says, holy crap, did you see when Rick shot that walker with the flare gun? I thought that was awesome.
0: That was awesome. I thought it was was just
1: awesome. I was whole head lit up. That was amazing.
0: No. And I think that, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. It was awesome. Uh, Robin on the internet
1: writes, the 23 Enigma strikes again. They should have listened to Aaron and gone on Route 16 and not 23. Um, I'm not sure what the 23 Enigma is. However, 23 was one of the numbers in Lost. So I have a feeling that the number 23 appears in mysterious ways in multiple shows. (laughs) Right. There you go. Shows that use numbers. Get weird. Always use 23. Yeah. Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see the best horror trope ever? Car won't start while horde of oncoming blanks are en route. It's too full of
0: gore. And
1: by blanks, he means insert monster name here.
0: Yeah. We, you know, zombies, aliens, Godzilla. Right. You know, whatever. When they're coming at you. Giant robot. When they're coming at you, your car won't start.
1: It's just the nature of car engines.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's like computers. Computers will function inversely proportionate to how important the paper is you have to write and hand in tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) We all learned that in school. That's right. Uh,
1: Sharni on the internet, holy crap, did you see after they smashed the shit out of all those zombies, Michonne jumped out so she could pull all the zombie guts from the grill of the car. That bitch is fearless. I also like how, with the governor, she never trusted anyone, but this time she's the first one to say, we can trust this guy. See? Not the only one who thought that. Clean shirt. I'm telling you, a clean shirt does wonders. I guess. Tom in Illinois and John in Deal, Kent, UK uh, sent in the same one. John says, holy crap, did you see the red headlight glow as they plowed through the herd in the aerial shot? Mm -hmm. So do you remember the shot? There was a straight down shot, car driving, kind of looked like a top down video game shot. Yep. Red headlight glow in front of them because they're just so covered in blood
0: red taillights, red headlights cuz uh the headlight covers are just full of gore. Yeah. That was nice.
1: Matt in Delaware. Holy crap. Did you see Glenn wiping off the windshield with his bare hands and then shaking the gore off, looking more annoyed than anything as if it was wet snow. Gross. But awesome. Mostly gross.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good point. If this was uh if they were up north, there would be a uh, a snow brush in the trunk that they could have used to get all that crap off. That's right. I guess people. Or or in a pinch, like my friend Mike used to use, uh, is a cassette cover because he didn't have a snow scraper. So if you needed to scrape something off the windscreen, you take a cassette and you open up the case and you use the edge. I guess that would work until it broke, which probably would be pretty soon. That's fine. (laughs) Okay.
1: Um, Mostly gross. Thank you, Matt. Washington. Nope. Jason in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Right. Writes My holy crap, did you see that moment? was when Aaron and Glenn ran into Michonne and Rick in the woods and Aaron dropped his gun because he was concerned about Rick being threatened. However, when Rick decided they all needed to run, Aaron left his gun on the ground and ran. I thought it was a bit strange.
0: You don't just drop a gun and then leave it. Well, I guess if you're fearing for your life. Who the hell knows what's going through your head? But
1: that's a good point. Did he really throw his gun down and then run off and leave it there? Like, just bend yeah, down?
0: Yeah, he, he, he put up his hands, he dropped the gun, and he said, you can tie me up again if you want to.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Rick said, no, we got to go. And so he just left it? He didn't bend down and pick it up? That seems like a uh, poor decision.
0: So. Yeah, I think that's a bad decision. But he was also, he saw the flare. He was worried about his uh, his better half there. he need, he wanted to get uh, He wanted to get over there to help him. That's true. Could, so, you know, in, he's not thinking straight. He's just got, uh, he's got their, get there. he's got, oh, he's got get their-itis. Right. And, and in you the know? heat
1: of the moment, you don't always, you know, he, he just forgot, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um Jessica in Long Island says, holy crap, did you see that? Judith did not care for Aaron. That baby's fine with walkers, but one <laughs> glance at Aaron was enough to set her off.
0: <laughs> Either that or she just loves nuts. Saw a bunch of acorns and... uh Daddy, I want acorns crushed into paste, please, by your handle of your firearm. Yeah, that is another
1: thing I was wondering about that I didn't mention earlier. Um, She's still pretty young, maybe not really eating solid food yet. Crushing nuts like that to make baby food, that just wouldn't work. I'm sorry. I've had kids... Which, which part?
0: I've tried the, the act of crushing
1: it with the handle of a firearm. You wouldn't. Well, I've tried that. It's one-handed. Hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> while holding the baby with the gun pointing up at you. Um, no, it's uh, it it you just wouldn't be able to get it into enough of a mush like a paste. I don't think. Anyways,
0: I don't know. Baby's hungry enough. You don't have any other source of food. They don't have teeth. that's why you mash it up you don't just give
1: him an acorn and say good luck i know that would be even worse but i'm telling (laughs) you you wouldn't be able to mash it up you need to add some liquid or something maybe maybe he had water i don't know i guess he was gonna mash it up a little bit and then chew it up like a bird and then give it to her actually that's not a terrible idea
0: well that's what i'm thinking
1: that's in fact that's what you'd have to do and that would be a really good idea it sounds gross but chew it up pre-chew it and then feed it to the baby
0: yeah. Okay. Okay, well, there you go.
1: All right, uh, finally. That's what they did before Blenders, I guess. That's right, Human Blenders. Uh, Jessica also wrote a PS that I had to read. She said, the autocorrect on my Kindle wants to change crap to carp, so I'm going to start having holy carp moments.
0: Holy carp, did you see that? <laughs> that's the Yeah, that's the PC version.
1: That's right, that's right. Um, in and in I,
0: case crap is too much of a swear for you.
1: I am very familiar with, with carp. It is a... It is a fish I've eaten a lot over the years, and it's not the best fish in the world, but uh, I've had a few uh, holy carp moments myself.
0: (laughs) Holy carp, did you taste that?
1: Yeah. Uh, Finally, Angie in Birmingham writes, holy crap, my first laugh out loud moment. It was, and it was intentional. Michonne's line to Rick after the cold open, just so we're clear, that wasn't, that look wasn't a let's attack that man look. It was a, he seems like an okay guy to me look. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) That is a pretty good line. Yeah, it was. And like you said, they got to get their looks straight. Yeah, it's important. It is when you have to communicate with just your eyes. Um, But as we found out at the end of the episode, Rick can really communicate with his eyes, if you ask
0: me. Well, yeah, Rick does, but he doesn't understand the looks. That's the problem. Oh, right? I get he it. He can give the looks, and he can communicate a lot with his eyes, but figuring out what other people are saying with their eyes, just like, oh, that, that was an okay, he's an okay guy, look, crap, and I punched him in the face. <laughs> Damn it.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Damn he, it. He can speak the language, he just doesn't really understand yeah. it.
0: Dang it. <laughs> Which is weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, there you go. It's a pretty long one. That's all the uh, holy craps for this week, and that is everything. That's going to wrap up this podcast. So... um. Good episode, not a fantastic episode, in my opinion.
0: I disagree. And you it was disagree. a good episode. It had a couple of stumbles, but overall, uh, quite good.
1: All right. Uh, we'll be back, of course, on Wednesday with our um, feedback show. So keep sending that in. If you want to send some feedback, there's lots of ways you can do that. One of which is to give us a call on the toll free secret number. It's 1 844 483 ZOMB. That's uh, 9662. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead, although I must admit um, Twitter is becoming slightly less useful for us again because an awful lot of people who think they're tweeting at AMC's Talking Dead show tweet at us instead. So I try to filter through it. So if you tweet at us, please be patient. I'll hopefully not miss it. Is Twitter still a thing? Oh, it's huge, man. Twitter's a big deal. People still use it? Lots. Okay, good. Um, find us on Facebook, which is also still a thing at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send your email to talking dead at gmail.com. Um, send in more entries for the record your favorite scene contest. Let's not do too many future ones. I like to hear the scenes we've already seen on the show better. It's just more fun. Yeah,
0: don't, don't spoil everything for everybody. Don't spoil everyone. If you're uh, capable of time travel and or know the writers, uh, you know, just, you know, be cautious, be cautious, but but uh, that's not to say Roman's entry
1: wasn't wasn't fun to uh, play. Thank you, Roman for that
0: stock tips. Send, instead of sending in those your favorite scene stuff, <laughs> yeah. send in stock tips. That's right. That'll help everyone much more. <laughs> just us. <Okay>. just us. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. <laughs>
1: yeah. righty. We'll be back on Wednesday, like I said until then. My name is Chris.
0: My name is Jason Thanks
1: for listening.